That was the Polecats with Make a Circuit with Me. We also heard from the Indigo Girls and kicked off that set with some Talking Heads' Life During Wartime here on the Future of Rock and Roll, 97X. Tonight at 10 o'clock, get ready for two hours of the most crunching, intense, noisy show in 97X. Join Danny Crash for Massive Metal for the Masses. This week, new metal from Halloween, Heaven Shall Burn, and some classics from Cattle Decaptation, and insane clown posse. Dave, Dave, yeah. now, now you're you're getting like what just happened? I, Massive metal for the masses, man. Yeah, no, it's Sunday great. I want to hear that cattle decapitation. Like I definitely want to hear that new tune. Oh, that's fantastic. Triple have... M. I'm a big 3M fan, but actually, that's yeah. not happening. No, you're having another flashback. Danny Crash is not going to be at 10 o'clock. Perhaps. Hey. Hold that thought. Okay. But we're down in my basement, the yeah. party dungeon, and we're just recording a podcast about our days at 97X, the future of rock and roll. Oh, it's rumblings, rumblings from the big bush. bush. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, I'm with you now. But you did your special conjuring thing. It's like bewitched when you wiggle your nose. Yeah. And Dan Reed is actually here. Wow. Dan Reed? Hamilton, Ohio's own Dan Reed? The Dan Reed. That's right. Massive metal for the masses. Wow. <laughs> Now, how did you come up with the name of that show is what I want to know. Oh, uh, man, I don't know. You know, <laughs> it was massive, uh, and uh, it was metal, and we were hoping it was for the masses. So <laughs> I just put them, all, put them all together. It was brilliant, I guess. I it was know. a four-hour brainstorming session to come up with that one, right? Four, four seconds. <laughs> when I first started session. at 97X and I worked weekends, that, so- that show got more phone calls hands down than anything else the station did. I forget when we phased the, the show out, but that that had the phones ringing off the hook at Sunday night at midnight. I couldn't believe it. You know, I uh, I started, uh, Steve, uh, Steve Dedalus, who you've talked to on the podcast, uh, came up with the idea of doing it, and he asked me, you know, I was just, since I was from Hamilton, I guess, I was the guy that could do it, and uh, he, uh, so we started playing this stuff. I can remember, I was thinking, I was telling somebody this week, in in the mail we got uh this is right after it started i got this record that had a picture of a a big pool of blood on it and a big hammer and the band was called metallica and the album was called kill em all i was like wow this is intense and so we started playing like whiplash and and uh and about two weeks later i get a message and it was from uh a guy named Lars from Metallica and he left his number 415 number. And I called back and talked to, to him. He was, he want, he's just calling to thank us for playing the, uh, the record and asked me if there was any good metal clubs in Oxford. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and your response That's was true. an emphatic. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you can play uh, I forget the, what was about. You can play the balcony. It's, you Skippers know, balcony. <laughs> Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Now, Pretty funny. Dan, walk us through, uh, tell us when you started at 97X. and uh, like uh, You have a storied history. First of all, Dave and I were talking about, it's like Dan Reed, he's the guy. He's the guy that's living out the dreams that we kind of all hope to get to. Like You've made a career out of radio. Currently, you're the afternoon host at WXPN in Philadelphia, as well as the operations manager and music director. So much like 97X days, you have to wear multiple hats. But I mean, oh yeah, yeah. WXPN, a great 
AAA, indie rock, whatever you want to call it, type station. Also, you coordinate the talent, or at least did, for World Cafe, which is the right. syndicated show. You have fantastic guests on there, and that show ran in the Cincinnati market for many years on WNKU. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So you're yeah. I I, uh, I started. I got. Um, I was at OU, Ohio University, and um, I saw it, there was an ad hanging up in the in the uh, the radio department about a part time job at WOXY in Oxford. You know, I grew up in Hamilton, so I knew about OXY. And uh, I don't know. I sent my resume in and got a call back from this guy named Jay Batista. Hired me. I think he's the same guy that hired Steve. Uh, and, uh, so I got, I got the, I got this gig, you know, I was doing, it started, I did Friday and Saturday, midnight to six, and then pretty short order. I was the overnight guy six nights a week. And this was before the format change, you know, this is June of 83 when I started, I, I, I was really getting to be friends with Steve and Steve kept talking about, you know, K rock. And I was 16 years old in 1977 and I went to, uh, my high school had a radio station, Hamilton Taft High School had a radio station, and we were had a punk rock band back in high school and stuff. So I was really into all that stuff. So I was very interested in Steve's ideas. Shortly after I got there, he went and talked to uh, Doug Balog, and you know we did the format change. So I was right there at the beginning. It's very exciting. I do want to point out a couple things if you guys got a minute. You know, number one, I, I have nothing but respect for Doug and Linda Baylog. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of stories about them in, in a minute, especially Doug that has done some wonderful things for me, but there was no poll for Miami students that did not happen. This was, you know, Steve, Steve was the one that had the balls to go to Doug and suggest this format change. And Doug went along with it, you know, uh, that's what happened. So there wasn't a poll of, of college students or anything else. And I don't remember what the first song we played was, but, yeah, I don't think it was Sunday Bloody Sunday. I mean, everybody, when I talk to people about OXY, those are two things that always come up, you know, that they did a poll of Miami students and they decided to give the alternative rock format a try and that Sunday Bloody Sunday was the first song. And I can tell you unequivocally, I was there and those things are not true. <laughs> wow. Not true. I like it. More myth-busting. Now, we did hear from yep. the Falcon himself, Mr. Dunbaylog, and yep. I think... What he said is that Linda, his wife, who had a background in advertising and kind of product research, did have yeah. a student advisory board before the format switch. And so they talked to them. They'd buy them pizzas. They'd get Miami students buying pizzas. They'd say, what do you think about music? What, what would you like to hear more of? What do you like to hear less of? And I think some of if that... that was the, if that was the case, neither Steve nor I knew anything about the student advisory board. But let me tell you something. Once again, I want to say something. Doug and Linda were, you know, they gave me a chance. That was my first pro job. When I I had worked at OXY for about six or seven months, and I was fully ensconced there. And Doug asked me about my college, you know, and I was 10 hours short of graduating, right? And he said, I mean, he called me in his office and he said, look, I'm going to be the guy to tell you, you need to go back and get your bachelor's degree. I said, Doug, I'm doing what I want to do right now. I'm having so much fun. And I was, and he was like, listen, you go back and get your degree. All you're going to take is a quarter, Dan, you know, you go get your degree. When you come back, I'll have a job here for you. We'll figure it out. You know, that's awesome that he did that. And, uh, and I'm so glad he did. So I went back to OU for a quarter, came back, sure as, sure as heck had my job back. In fact, I had a 
I think I was doing middays for a while there when I got back. You know, everything went from there. So D- Doug and Linda, are, you know, they, they were I, I really very fond of Linda. And, and Doug, Doug, was, uh, Doug was very good to me, very patient with me because, you know, I was a dumbass. Back then. I mean, not that I'm not that I'm not now, but I, I certainly was then. You know, when you got your degree and you came back, did you get a, a bump and a raise to two CDs a week or cassettes in your case? <laughs> well, you know, when I got back, I moved. The first thing I did is me and Steve went to L.A. We drove in Steve's car. Uh, you know, he wanted me to hear K Rock and stuff, and I was down for that. So we drove from Cincinnati, 24 hours to Amarillo, Texas. Um, and we stopped and we slept and then we went on into LA, but we spent about four or five days in LA listening to the radio. And, and, you know, I was really psyched then. you know, when I, we, I mean, we were fired up, uh, you know, cause this, this, the format change had already taken place. You know, K rock was, was a great thing to listen to. And there was no other way to listen to it. You had to like go to LA, you know, to hear it. It's not like it is today. So we did. And when we got back, I moved in with Steve. He lived in his shack on out college college corner pike we didn't even have a phone uh my mom was didn't understand that i'm like we can't afford it you know i can't remember what i made when, when i started working there but yeah it was poverty man you know it was and, and there wasn't there was no money there i mean doug was you know doug was working his ass off and all of our sales people i heard chris adrian he was there when i got there all these people were working really hard to sell ads you know but we were we were just getting started with that new format, so it took a while. Now, when you were in Los Angeles with Steve, did you guys actually go to K Rock, knock on the door, ring the doorbell, and say, "Hey, can we take a look around? We're starting a station in Oxford, Ohio. Anything like that?" No, we just listened. You know, I'll tell you one thing that we were walking. We were walking up by UCLA, and this uh, girl on roller skates uh, came rolling up to us and gave us these free movie passes. And Steve looked at it. He was like, oh, yeah, I heard about it. We should go see this movie. It was a movie called This Is Spinal Tap. So, uh, yeah, we went to a free screening in L.A. to see This Is Spinal Tap uh, when we were out there. But, no, nah, we didn't have nah, – we, we, we didn't find K-Rock. We, we went to some shows and hung around. We didn't have much money, you know. Yeah. The other thing that happened – I'm sorry to take up all my time with this. The other thing that happened on that trip was – Right across the street from us on Wilshire Boulevard, we were staying at a flea bag hotel, you know, all we could afford. Right across the street was a McDonald's, and we ate there every day, of course. So we would go over to this McDonald's, and there's a bunch of giant tall dudes in there. And all of a sudden, I'm like, Steve, that's Patrick Ewing. He was like, what? Yeah. I said, that's. And then, then walks John Thompson walks in. It was Georgetown's basketball team there to play the tournament. And they ate at the same McDonald's we did. <laughs> I was on that trip to L.A. So we saw Spinal Tap and Patrick Ewing on the same trip. It's pretty awesome. Outside of middays, what else did you do at the station? I did everything they wanted me. I mean, I, I tell you know, I try to tell tell people these days. I did everything there. I did anything. I cleaned the bathroom. You know, I washed Doug's car. I carried the garbage out. I cleaned the AP wire. I. I cataloged music. I loved it so much, man. I would have done it for free. Uh, well, I almost did, but I, I would have done it for free. I just loved it so much that I couldn't believe I was getting paid to, you know, to be on the radio. It was so exciting to me. So I, I you know, I, I, I was Steve's lieutenant there while he was there. He, he, I don't know when he left. I'm not exactly sure, but it was like 84, late in 84, he left. And then, and then Doug, uh, gave me the stripes uh, after that when Steve left. So so who who worked for you when you had the stripes? So who, who were the DJs that were there? 
Well, Robin was already there. I heard her on the podcast. Hi, Robin, if she if she's listening. It was great to hear Robin plan. She was an unbelievable DJ, just a great DJ. We had a great crew, man. Steve is the smartest guy I've ever met and, and so nice, been so nice to me so, so many years. I hired Mr. K, Ken Glidewell, the late, my, my friend Ken Glidewell. He was in a band with me, and I hired him. And I hired uh, this woman named Michelle Topham. She did Saturday mornings, British exports. She was a she had a British accent, and that's all I needed. You know what I mean? She did. She had never done radio, but I taught her how to do it. And she did British exports on Saturday morning. I hired Matt, Matthew Harris, who I knew from OU. Matt Harris. Um, I can't remember. There's probably a few other people too. I think John Jesser, JJ started there as an intern. Steve Baker, of course, was there, Baker man. You know, I mean, he was there before. He he came back. He had been at OXY before, and he came back after I got hired. And uh, he was always a staunch ally of what we were doing and um, great guy to work with. Baker man was just a killer dude. We, so we had a fun crew. You know, we really did. I think that stands out with, with any era because it's the same thing. So Dave and I overlapped quite a bit. And then Rick Tile, Julie Maxwell, Jay Foreman. Yeah. You know, like it, yeah. it was, we didn't make a whole lot of money, but man, it's like, this is so much fun. You know, I figured out ways to, you know, I think there was, there was a pizza place there called uh, SDS, I yeah. think, Student Delivery Service. And they, they advertised on the radio station. And I would trade records for pizzas, you know. I mean, we figured out ways to, you know, to, to scam things, you know, <laughs> as much as we could. And then once we, uh, once we, the word started getting out about the format, the the love we really got was from the Cincinnati scene. I mean, they absolutely adored what we were doing. These bands loved us, so we couldn't go no wrong. We we I couldn't buy a drink in since I didn't have to buy a drink in Cincinnati because. People were so happy that we were doing what we were doing, even though um, people went to some extreme measures, as you guys have noted, to, to get the signal. It was not a great signal. That was a lot of fun. We, we did a lot. We did a lot of bartering, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> we know the trade agreements, yeah. yes. You really, because you mentioned uh, Steve Dedalus, who kind of helped flip the format, left fairly early in that, and then you took over. Tell us about how you evolved the format. You guys got to know, I mean, I, you know, I, uh, I, I didn't really know. I mean, I had college radio experience, but as you guys probably know, I mean, that's not really real world experience, you know. Um, I really didn't know what I was doing, I, even though I thought I did. I, I really didn't. I learned a lot about personnel management there the, those first couple of years, but I was young. I was 22, 23 years old, you know, when, when I was there and 24, I think, when I left. As far as evolving the format, you know, we were just getting a lot more, uh, a lot more notoriety, so we had a lot more to choose from um, music-wise. It wasn't as hard to get music service or anything. Uh, we had all that, and uh, radio, uh, the record companies were starting to pay, pay a little more attention to us. You know, but uh, locally, I, I, I thought it was really important to really play local bands. I think that's the one thing I'm most proud of. I, I still do that. I've done that throughout my career. Is I really think that whatever market you're in. To, try to feature the best of the local bands is a really good idea for lots of reasons. So I, I did a lot of that. I don't know what else. I, I think that uh, there were a couple other shows I probably came up with. I think that the request the X night may have been uh, started when I was there, but I, I will say this, even when I was program director, um, I think Doug kicked me up another, maybe a hundred dollars a month, maybe. And, uh, 
I still had to do Sunday nights. I was still on the air from six to midnight every Sunday. So I was working six days a week. And uh, I, I finally got out of that. Mr. K took over. You know, I finally talked Doug into let me have two days off. And uh, and uh, he was down with that. And then I, finally, I got a phone in my house, too, which was awesome. You know, I, I lived in the same shack as Steve lived in. Me and Steve lived there together. And then when he moved, when he quit, I, I, kept, I kept living there. Okay, so so fast forward to today. I, as a matter of fact, I was I was driving to the party basement here today, and I was in my wife's car, and she doesn't have satellite radio, and, and, and radio just sucks. I mean, just broadcast radio in Cincinnati, I should say, just sucks. And, and how do you handle it now in Philadelphia? What do you do now that you know that you think to yourself, "Thank God, I'm still able to do broadcast radio with with good music." Yeah, I'm very fortunate. I, you know, um, very, very fortunate. I mean, I worked hard, but I also got some, some good, uh, you know, some good breaks along the way. I think, um, when Steve got hired at EBN, I kept bugging him. I'm like, man, give me a job at EBN. I can work there. And they, I, they just w- weren't interested in me. So I'm so glad I didn't do that. You know, instead I, I ended up working. I, I, I answered a, call for a station called WNKU, which was a folk station, you know, at Northern Kentucky University. And when I got there, we weren't allowed to play anything with drums on it, I swear. Um, (laughs) No, I'm serious, you know. And at the time, I'm playing in this, like, really heavy band, and it's really, it's just really funny, you know, how I, but they wanted to change, and so I I got there, but. uh, You know what, I do remember you hosted at NKU massive bongos for the masses for a while there on that station, didn't you? (laughs) That's right, massive bongos for the masses. Uh, Massive mandolins, I think. (laughs) For the the masses, yeah. Uh, You know, but uh, being being at XPN is, is, is outstanding, you know. I mean, I was able, when I was in Louisville, for a while, I started uh, this convention called the Noncom. It's still going. Um, uh, we're going into our 20th year. So when I came to XPN, they acquired that uh, from FPK in Louisville. And, uh, so I'm still doing that. I'm really, really, really fortunate. And uh, I, I think that, you know, one of the things they that, that I really stressed when I got here was, you know, let's take care of the the local musicians let's put a category in let's make sure we're playing playing music let's stay as local as we can even though we're not really a local station we've got we're out in central pa and we're in northern jersey now so uh you know there's all kinds of uh there's all kinds of uh of, of area that we cover here but we're still really philly centric and, and yeah you know we're it's it, radio's changed as you guys know it's it's not it's not like it used to be uh you know, I, I grew up probably like you, just absolutely, just my my ears were just glued to the radio at all times. DJs were my heroes. Um, when I was when I was in second, third grade, my mom showed me one time when I was home this thing I wrote. What do you want to be when you grow up? And everybody else wanted to be an astronaut or something else. And I wanted to be a disc jockey. You know, so it's I, I, the the fact that I'm still doing it. You know. Um, in my late fifties, it's pretty amazing. Oh. It really is. I'm very, I'm very fortunate. Damien and I still hold you up as the, like I said, the poster boy. Yeah. Next to my fair Fawcett poster, I have a poster of you. <laughs> is it that one I did for Playgirl? Yeah. <laughs> With a microphone strategically placed. <laughs> strategically placed. Yeah. I think I think I might. I, we may have needed two mics. 
actually, it's now that I think about it. But, hey, you know something else, you guys? Uh, one, one I'm most proud of at OXY is uh, I named the party patio. Nice. Wow. Did you guys know that? No. no. That's a little trivia. News. I started calling it that on the air, and Doug came in. And he was like, that's great. <laughs> you know, Doug liked things like that. I remember one time I said, I'm on, or we're on, up here on the, I was reading the weather, up here on the big hill in Oxford. And Doug came in. I like what you said last, yesterday. Uh, the big hill in Oxford. Uh, you know, he, he he wanted to do something with that. But, yeah, the party patio, uh, you know. I mean, it truly was. For, for me, especially when I did nights, it was kind of a party patio. You know, my friends would come over and stuff. I'd make them stand outside. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, it was just a little, it was just a little thing of concrete. I don't know what it was when you guys were there. Yeah, it was still concrete. With, I think there's a wooden bench that Bake made and that was about it. Um, well, I was, oh, there was a bench out there. There wasn't anything out there. You know, it was a, a ashtray, you know, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but what I always good. remember is, is again, it goes back to radio. It paints a picture when people would show up to the party patio that were listeners, like we had bare naked ladies out there or whatever. This is the party yeah. patio. <laughs> yeah, lights and lasers. <laughs> Cabana, tiki torches. Nope, some concrete and an ashtray. Sorry. And that's about all I had. Theater of the mind, right? Yeah. That's what it was. The future of rock and roll. That's entertainment. That's entertainment. 97X. Dave and I can assure you that the party dungeon is just as luxurious as the party patio once was. But as you can hear, our second Bella Lugosi is on life support. So please join us next episode for the thrilling conclusion of our interview with the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Reed. <laughs>